What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here with another data protection gumbo episode. And this one is titled How to Protect Salesforce Data Like an Expert Now. And to drop some knowledge for us today, I have Adrian Kunzel, Head of Product and Strategy on at Own Backup. He has seen both sides of the software industry as a customer for 15 years, primarily at JP Morgan Chase, and then as a product leader for nine years, uh, first at Salesforce and now at Own Backup. So Gumbo listeners, Adrian will be providing details on how to protect your Salesforce data the correct way, some key trends around integrating data protection into the CICD pipeline, and so much more. So let's get right to it. Hope you enjoy the episode. Adrian, how are you today? I'm great, Demetrius. How are you? I am doing well. Welcome to the gumbo, and I am very excited to have you on the show today. The first question I want to ask is, I, I guess, what, what are some of the learnings that you have taken away from, from all of your time in the industry? Because you, you've been out there probably at, at least as, as long as I've been in the industry, so I'm, I'm sure you have a very interesting perspective as well. So what's going on? What are you seeing out there, Adrian? Uh, yeah, let's not count how many years I've been in the industry. That's <laughs> Um, and and thanks for for having me on. Um, appreciate having the chance to chat. You know the industry I don't know has evolved in so many ways. I think the the one of the key things I I've learned over the years is actually how software doesn't really change that much. I think there's there's one thing that has changed significantly, and it's and it's a key driver in terms of what we can now do, and that is scale and speed. I think the only law that really has uh, has survived. Uh, you know, since the 60s has been Moore's Law. And, you know, you look back at stuff we were doing in the 90s, like mm-hmm. Corber and DCE, and you look at APIs today, and they really, they're not actually that that much different from each other. But what has changed is, is we can just do so much more. I think we're seeing that particularly in the world of AI now. Yeah, there's some, there's obviously some new research, but a lot of the research was done, you know, back in the, should I say, previous century. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's different about it today is that we have the horsepower to actually run some of those computations. So, you know, I spent a lot of, I think back, I I think a lot of about how, and it's kind of how I've stayed current with technology. A lot of the new technology is a rebranded packaging of some old idea. And and that's helped me stay current, even though I, I don't get to develop on a daily basis. But, you know, I'd say one thing, given we're in the data protection gumbo podcast, one thing that I think has continually been ignored or not ignored, but always given a lower priority has been data. And that that's a shame. It's kind of cool to see that we're now able to do more with it. I think we have a lot more. We obviously have a lot more of it. I still don't think we're particularly good at managing it well. Right? And that's kind of part of what we're trying to help with at Own Backup. Yeah, cool. Uh, you, you and I both share a similar philosophy that, you know, there is so much data and there, there's tons of studies around, you know, we're approaching what, 10 zettabytes or 16 zettabytes, whatever that ridiculous number is because of all of the digital devices that we are all carrying around in our pockets and all the, the different apps that we're using and all of these, you know, Internet of Things and connected devices. And now you have T-shirts that are connected to the wireless network, you know, to tell you your body temperature and how much sweat you've accumulated. You know, it's it's a, it's a really fancy world that we're living in right now and just everything is creating data. So, I guess from that perspective, you know, why do companies 
such as own backup? I guess what what type of solutions do you have and, and why are companies such as yours important for the industry right now? So we have three primary products. They they pretty much do what the names imply. We have a backup and recovery product, an archiving product, and then a sandbox seeding product, all right now focused on the Salesforce ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, you there was a great segue into why do companies need this? There's really, really a kind of a, a chain of problems ah, that, okay. that companies are facing. First of all, as you mentioned, the amount of data that they're collecting is is just growing and growing and growing. And that even in today's massively powerful machines, still causes problems, still makes reports run slow, et cetera. So, so we think of our suite of products as a, as a way of helping a customer manage through some of uh, those data problems that they experience with, uh, with Salesforce. If we talk about backup and recovery for a moment, the, the crucial thing that people need to remember or understand about this move to the SaaS world is it's a bit like you know, back to the patterns, the different names, but the patterns are the same. It's a bit like business process outsourcing. It's not like running your own stuff. There is a shared responsibility now, and you have to understand what your SaaS provider is on the hook for versus what you're on the hook for. And when it comes to data, the SaaS provider has and Salesforce is not alone in this. Many of them do. You talk about Workday, talk about uh, ServiceNow, et cetera. They have incredible disaster recovery setups. So they're replicating your data. They've got almost, you know, Salesforce has 100% capacity DR site available at all times. So if something goes wrong with their infrastructure, they've got your back. They worry about the network. They worry about a, a lot of the security. But part of the way they've they've sold their product is, and, and I think this is a really good thing, is they've said it's your data. They don't have access to it, right? It's it's very much your data and you're responsible for what you put into it. And the kind of the sentence dangles at that point and what isn't often talked about is you're also rep- responsible for it when something goes wrong with it. As I said, they can help you recover from um, a, a big data center outage that they might have, but they can't help you recover if an admin accidentally deletes a whole bunch of records or an integration job goes wrong or heaven forbid a malicious insider tries to wreak havoc across uh you know what is in salesforce now pretty critical data right it's it is your customer pipeline it is your service desk it's it's how you respond effectively to customers it's a very visible system and it's yeah, we've seen it grow during my time at Salesforce. We we saw it grow in its criticality in, in companies. So as that data gets more and more critical, it becomes more and more important that you have a backup. And, and really, it's not just about the backup. It's about being able to recover. Um, and we could talk a lot more about that. So we help you look after your data. And then our archiving product obviously helps you move data into nearline storage to allow you to still access it if you want to, um, but it doesn't clog up your your main set of business flows. And then the last one is is really for development, and we'll probably touch on that later. Um, is around how do you take meaningful but anonymized production data, pare it down, and make a useful data set for development and testing? And that's the sandbox seeding piece. Okay. Okay. All right. I appreciate you um, 
providing that information now. I, I'm just curious here, and it, it just goes to show that you, you can take one specific thing that's uh, out there in the market and, and, and make it your own, right? And I, I think that's kind of the, the name of your company. So own backup, right? So you've made Salesforce kind of your own little little niche that you are protecting data primarily in Salesforce. So let, let's talk about that. Why did you decide to start protecting just, you know, Salesforce data, uh, especially, I guess, behind the fact that not many other companies are specializing, you know, in this market. So kind of clue me in on, on what was the philosophy behind that and why was it so important to uh, take that on, I guess, as a piece that you decided to protect out of all of the other things that, that I guess you could have um, started protecting out there in the market? Uh, yeah, pretty much through customer requests. So our founder, Ariel, had a data protection company um, that had come out of traditional uh, kind of data protection uh, type work years ago in Tel Aviv. Okay. And he started getting a bunch of calls. Um, people had lost some Salesforce data and they were saying, hey, you know, can you help me get it back? And, you know, the answer to that out of the gate was a fairly straightforward no, because the you know, Salesforce owns all the machinery that stores all the data. But it got him thinking. And, you know, the, the SaaS products really are different. You can't take traditional backup and recovery systems uh, and use them against the SaaS products because most of the SaaS applications don't expose their database. So it is a different problem. You've got to go in via what are essentially a, a business tier set of APIs. You've got to pull that data out. And then more importantly, when you push it back in, you've got to respect the relationships. You can't actually just thunk it all back in the way you do a database restore. You actually have to, because you've got to preserve relationships, if, if, you, if you need a child object to refer to a parent object, you've got to put the parent object in first because you've then got to refer to it when you put the child object in. So because you're dealing with this kind of business logic tier, you've got to understand what the application is going to do when you put that data back in. Um, and and you know modify what your restore processes look like um, appropriately. So so it's a different problem. And you know as I said, literally a set of requests made him start exploring. Yeah. It. Um, and that was how the company came about. Okay. Yeah. And I, I guess customer is king, right? So if people are asking for something and you provide the solution, then you you kind of you know, corner the market, you know, for that thing. Now, now, I guess, who are some of your competitors in this space? Is there anyone else out there that's able to, I guess, protect Salesforce data quite the, maybe the same way or slightly different than than you you guys are today? Yeah, there's um there, there are a number of, of companies out there. Um, Otisava, uh, we've seen some of the CICD tooling companies like Yeset move into the backup and recovery space. Uh, there's a company called Grax that we see as well. So, and those are all simply within the Salesforce ecosystem. There are very few in the other ecosystems. So if you look at Microsoft Dynamics, you look at ServiceNow, ServiceNow has got one company on their app exchange that I think does something in the way of backup. Workday doesn't have anybody. So, you know, there's there's not a, these this set of niche players are, are kind of uh, right now all centered on Salesforce. And I think, 
I think that's really more just a reflection of the maturity and the breadth of deployment of Salesforce in, in companies now, right? You know, they, they 150,000 customers. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a big market now. Um, and, and so it's, it's a real one for, for us and others to go make a business out of. I, I would say that, that we have our eyes beyond, a, uh, looking at a further horizon, um, because we do see other SaaS companies um, and customers of other SaaS companies do need similar sorts of solutions. Um, it's the same model of shared responsibility uh, across many of the SaaS providers. So, so we think it's um, we think it. While Salesforce is a phenomenal ecosystem for us to to live in, we do have our eyes outside of that as well. Okay, great. So you you've mentioned CI/CD pipeline and a, a lot of backup and recovery or storage administrators may not be as familiar, you know, with uh, continuous integration, continuous delivery and infrastructure as code, you know, and may maybe now more people are familiar with, you know, RESTful APIs because APIs have taken a front seat to kind of being the, the way to allow someone to tap into the product that they have and to do some integrations. So I guess let's talk a little bit about developers and I guess how they are the kings sitting on top of the hill today. And, you know, they hold a lot of power, especially from an engineering and a product perspective. And um, I guess what are you seeing as, as a key trend around integrating data protection and backup into, let, let's say, you know, a CICD pipeline? Yeah, great question. Um, uh, it's it's absolutely becoming a thing. So, in parallel to to our world in in Salesforce around data backup and, and protection, there's a growing CI and CD world. Uh, I touched on one company, Gearset. There's also guys like Capado and Auto Rabbit. And what's been interesting is some of those uh, some of the big applications on Salesforce, things like Encino and Salesforce's own CPQ, the Configure Price Quote product. Actually, you know, Salesforce is very strong on metadata, um, and we back up and help you recover metadata as well. But these products are starting to store data or metadata about their products as data. So they'll build custom objects um, that look and feel like data, but they're actually configuration parameters, really. They're, they're really metadata. So what we're seeing in this space is, is a need to be able to back up some of this data as if, because it is application state. So when you do a deployment, not only are you deploying metadata, but you also need to deploy a chunk of data. And that's really where our tooling, and we have a great partnership with Capado, really comes into play. You can trigger a backup of just a subset of objects. So let's say these, these configuration objects before you do a release. Um, that gives you a nice rollback point should you need to if the release goes wrong. So we're seeing we're seeing some really great integration with the CI and CD processes and the pipelines, allowing you to produce these these kind of checkpoints that allow you to get back to something should the release go bad. And you know ultimately, uh, we think of this as is about moving fast and and not falling down. the The developers these days, as you say, they're absolutely kings of the hill. They're kings of the hill because the demand for for work, digital transformation specifically, yeah, was 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 huge before COVID, and now now that COVID has, has forced many 
companies to think about how they do offer more digitally oriented services when they might have been able to not do that before. But the demand has got just even greater. And so you're asking these, these developers to move really quickly. What happens when you move really quickly? You make mistakes. And ha- integrating data protection and backup early into that product cycle is just huge. It helps you with rollouts. It helps you deploy with confidence, knowing that if you do mess up and you were a little hasty about it, you can get back to a good known state. So we we have lots of conversations with customers about data protection is sometimes thought of, well, once I'm in production, I need to protect my data. It's like, yeah, no, it's actually for development too. Because if you're doing a staged rollout, if you're trying to train people, there's a whole bunch of uses for for our data protection products. around that. So we'd like to think of it really as a way of, uh, of, of helping developers move fast. And if they do fall down, uh, it's, a, it's a safety net that catches them. We, have a, we had a great example. Uh, one customer I was talking to a couple of weeks ago, they have a six-year-old org. It's got some clutter in it. Um, it's been developed by different administrators over the years. And he's going through and he's just deleting columns in in objects because he doesn't know what they're used for and he wants to reclaim them but he's doing it with confidence because he's got our backup running and if somebody comes along tomorrow and says oh i was really using that field i use it for xyz or whatever um he can go okay i'll put it back (laughs) Um, and he just restores it so uh it's helping him really you know not be faced with fear of refactoring um and enabling him to move fast okay moving fast yeah that's exactly the the name of the game right now is moving fast and not falling down i I like that so we we might have ourselves a a podcast episode title here just want to let (laughs) you know that um so yeah you mentioned a lot of things right and as you were speaking i thought about you know, if you guys were taking a look at like some of the microservices out there and containers and m- maybe that's an entirely different space and it, it may cause you to pivot somewhere around, uh, I guess, your, your current strategy. But it definitely makes for a good conversation because Kubernetes is, is like the really hot topic right now. Docker, you hear it a little bit, but Kubernetes is definitely a, a big thing. Do, are you guys looking into that or you do you have any... Anything you want to say about that, or you're gonna not touch it? Um, we we use it extensively, as you would imagine. Okay. Um, we're definitely keeping our eye on it. The as as it's evolving, mm-hmm. it's definitely um, you know out of its straight container capabilities, the ability for it to start holding data is is getting quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that the patterns for how it does that on a consistent basis has have really settled down yet so i'd say we're we're kind of in a watching brief but it's definitely an interesting space um you know we'll we'll have to we obviously spend a, a fair amount of time looking at traditional infrastructure vendors it may well be something that those guys are more suited to to handling than our particular expertise but we'll see we're watching it yep Yep, I'm just saying you can't ignore it, right? Because it's 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 right along with the concept of moving fast, and and uh, I I actually wrote a piece, uh, an article on LinkedIn that I posted called "The New World of Data Protection: Do You See It?" So you have those traditional 
backup and recovery and storage experts. And then you have kind of the, the new kids on the block that they jumped in learning your rubrics and your cohesities and, you know, maybe your Clumios or uh, some of your other other uh, backup companies that, you know, are sort of new, still new in the market, maybe pivoting over to the one thing that happens every 14 seconds. Now, can you guess what that is, Adrian? It, it happens every 14 seconds and everyone could be affected by every it. Every 14 seconds. It begins with an R and ends in where? Ah, a <laughs> ransomware attack. <laughs> Really? Yeah, every 14 seconds, a ransomware attack happens. Look it up. It is it is a real thing. You know, when I when I learned that fact just this morning during my moments of catching up on the news of what's happening in the industry, I found that out and I said, wow, that is that is amazing that ransomware. It's it's now a booming industry for threat actors and they have an entire business around just ransomware, right? And they have kits. They make it very easy for for them to go out and infect and encrypt systems or whatever. But I guess what are you guys doing around ransomware? And if a customer happens to, you know, get their you have their data encrypted, you know, how are you helping customers recover from like a ransomware attack? Yeah. So fortunately I we've kind of architected our systems in in uh, ways that that have naturally lent to being able to support customers in in times of of a ransomware attack. So you know the first thing to note is is we sit completely outside of Salesforce. So we have zero dependency on any of that. So if a if a ransomware attacker is trying to wander around and find all the places where the data lives, you know they've got essentially two systems to compromise. They've got to compromise the Salesforce system and they've got to compromise our system. We've built, we, we've taken data protection very seriously from, from day one. Um, even as a startup, it was absolutely not uh, something that was forefront in our co-founder's mind. Um, so data is all encrypted at rest. Um, there's a variety of different solutions we offer where you can bring your own keys. And it's and it's in a completely different environment, whether that's AWS or Azure. So if you think of it, it's like it's it's a it is literally an off-site quote quote backup. Different different credentials to get in from your Salesforce credentials, everything. And if you if you do have a an issue, and you know Salesforce has incredible security as well. So um, let's hope that helps um, and and keeps people safe from being impacted in the first place but should something happen you know should it come through through uh, um, a phishing attack let's say not necessarily through an infrastructure attack we have a complete copy for you so um you know it's it's pretty straightforward once you've got rid of the actual code that's holding you hostage to be able to store the data back to to the state you need it to be in one of our key things that I think differentiates us from certainly from traditional backup and recovery companies is we actually watch your data too. So it's possible that if we run a backup and we've seen a lot of change, we will alert uh, the administrator to that change. So we would also 
play a role in helping you spot ransomware. So is that some type of like ML AI capability that's built in? Yeah, we um, we do. We offer a variety of different ways of, of thinking about what normal change looks like across your object set and and what anomalous change looks like. Okay. Um, there's yeah, there's definitely you can you can decide to trigger it on just percentage change or uh, statistical outliers and and other other um, approaches. So yeah, we're watching it all the time. We'll alert you if if something goes and changes a bunch of data over uh, overnight. Let's say. And then our key you know, kind of differentiator in the res- is really in the restore space where we allow you to create a um, surgically precise fix set. So unlike traditional backup and recovery technologies where you have to roll back to a point in time, we don't make you do that. We enable you to compare two points in time and build a fix set from that compare and say, okay, these are the sets of records I need to form. Uh, I need to reshape in the in the product to get it back to the state I want it to be in. So depending on what the attack looked like, you would either have to do a full restore, which of course we can still also do. In most cases, even if it's like a bad actor internally, uh, they've impacted some subset of your data, and and therefore the the this compare process is critical because it allows you to get back up and running much faster than doing a full restore. Mm, okay. Yeah, I appreciate you you sharing that that information. I guess around being able to, you know, recover in case something happens from a ransomware perspective. Um, I, I was also taking a look on on your website at some of your other products that that were out there. And before I get to the closing gumbo question, so right now, you know, we're not hearing a lot about cryptocurrencies. We we're hearing a little bit about cryptocurrencies, but the main thing behind those cryptocurrencies is is what's called blockchain. And I guess if you haven't heard of blockchain to the gumbo listeners, as far as being able to have a digital wallet and kind of store, you know, different types of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, et cetera. But it's definitely encroaching on on the backup space. Now you have something called blockchain verify. And uh, is, is that a product or is that a service? And I, I want to know, I guess, well, why did you guys choose to, go, choose to go that route? Yeah, so it's a it's an add-on for our backup and recovery solution. So for a number of our customers who are regulated by the SEC, um, the, the Securities and Exchange Commission, for trading systems, there's a, there's a, um, a compliance requirement um, aptly named 17A-4, the section oh, yeah. of some big legal document that is <laughs> that mm-hmm. is there. And that talks about... Yeah, that, that's part of that's part of Sarbanes-Oxley, right? Sox? I think so. Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's, so the, the, the heart of it is it's around records retention and the ability to have a provable, unmodified uh, copy of, of a set of records, typically trading records, right? This was traditionally done with what was called worm storage, write once, um, read many, with you know a whole bunch of interesting CD-based technologies in the past, um, which doesn't, you know, Amazon hasn't put any of those in, in AWS. So so we we use, uh, so our blockchain verify product is is a pretty straightforward product. What it does, in addition to, to obviously storing your, your backup, is it checksums the backup and then lodges the checksum on a public blockchain. And so what it then enables you to do is, is we have a verify button in the app that, that will sum the backup and pull the, the checksum from the, the 
the chain and, and verify that it's the same. But by posting it on the public chain, it actually makes that uh, completely independently verifiable. So a third-party auditor could uh, extract the backup from own backup, we allow an export function, could do the checksum themselves on their own machine and then go to the public ledger, pull the checksum from the public ledger and go, yep, they match. So we're using it, and specifically we're using the public a public chain to kind of publicly post that checksum so anybody, should they need to, can get at it. Um, so it allows us to prove that a backup is unaltered from the time it was taken. You know what, Adrian, that, that is pretty hot. I, I really, really like that technology. And if, if you guys have not spun up a marketing campaign on that, you, I, I think you should because it's, it is like something that I think the market is missing right now. There are only a few players that are tinkering around with, with blockchain and implementing that technology, I guess, within their products and services. So you, I, I think, you know, that may be another niche area, you know, for you, for you guys to actually maybe further expand and instead of making it an add-on, you know, maybe go a little deeper on that and uh, figure out, you know, what other types of uh, product or services that you can actually use from that blockchain perspective. So I think that's that's a really, really great technology to have. I guess rolling into the closing gumbo question. Now, this is this is not a technical question, Adrian. So I want you to brace yourself. It's 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 kind of a personal one. What would make you like really, really frustrated or so frustrated that you would consider standing in front of a data center and, and maybe protesting about it? Uh, great question. Um if you can find a data center these days, um, because we're, <laughs> I, they're not quite yeah. they're not quite things you 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 have a part of anymore. Um, but yes, uh, what do I want to protest about? I th one of the things that consistently bugs me is that everybody thinks they're special when it comes to security reviews, and and therefore they have their own checklist, their own set of questions and in terms of drag on doing business you know there's there's the legal stuff and then there's the security review and i'm really hoping that things like the cloud security alliance um that's doing some great work in terms of standardizing this is is really ad adopted by more of, of of the the companies out there because we obviously get to look at, you know, we've got north of, of 2,000 customers. We've seen a lot of people ask a lot of security questions. And there are some good ones, and there are lots of bad ones. And it's like, look, let's, we're getting to a point now where the experts kind of know the set of questions that should be asked. We've got SOC 2, we've got SOC 3. There's, there's, there's a set of frameworks that are increasingly I think valuable and we need to just lean on them more and stop trying to think we're special um, and therefore should build our own set of, of uh, security questions and start leveraging uh, some of these uh, these standards that are that are starting to, to be developed out there. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I guess that was more of a uh, I guess it wasn't that personal then since uh, <laughs> may, maybe it is. Yeah, I truly enjoyed the conversation, Adrian, and uh, definitely really, really, really appreciate you appearing on Data Protection Gumbo. Is there any kind of way 
that people, I guess that the listeners may be able to reach out to you on social media, like like a Twitter account? Uh, yeah, I'm at a Kunzel, although I don't post much there. Um, LinkedIn, yeah, LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. um, Adrian Kunzel is is the one that I guess has the most traffic on it in terms of blog posts and stuff like that. That's uh, that's probably the best one. All right. Well, it's definitely been a pleasure. And thank you for coming on Data Protection Gumbo, Adrian. Have a great week. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.